0: Welcome to the AV Podcast Games Edition.
1: Hello, and welcome to AV Forum's gaming podcast with me, Mark Botright. Joining me this time are Leon, Steve and Steve. Good evening, gents. Hey, Hi. Good evening. Right, well, kicking things off, um, news, I suppose, the best place to start, the Eurogamer Expo. In its fifth year, um, big attendance this year, supposedly up some 14,000 on last year. It's been running at Earl's Court from September 22nd to the 25th. We did have uh, two sets of legs on the ground, but unfortunately Ben has... Um, had to call in ill with man flu, so it's down to you, Steve, to give us the lowdown on what was going on.
2: Yeah, I, I think I might call the Eurogamer flu as well, but uh, I've soldiered through. Um, really, really impressed with the, uh, the the show this year. Really well organised. Um, the d- developers were out in force. They were showing off Star Wars, Rage, Arkham Asylum, Skyrim, Battlefield, Modern Warfare 3, all the big games. Um, were there with plenty of uh, consoles so uh, people could get hands on. Um, Lots of queuing as you'd expect at these events but my understanding is they were turning around quite quickly so everyone got hands on.
1: Yeah I mean they got um, lots of exclusives Um, you know, in terms of playable games, all the 3s were out there, you know, uh, Call of Duty, Modern Warfare 3, you know, Mass Effect 3, Battlefield 3, Um, but they also had OnLive's UK launch, which was a bit of a coup for them.
2: OnLive stole the show, um, but in a way where they literally booted the door down and stole the show. Uh, They were giving away um, their consoles, their little um, gaming device uh, that you plug direct into your television via HDMI, they were giving these away every day of the Expo. Um, From the minute the doors opened to the minute the doors closed, there was a line of several hundred people. Um, They controlled it fairly well, they moved through pretty quickly, Uh, but I was absolutely amazed at how many of these units they gave away. They really went to town.
1: Yes, it certainly sounds like they, they came prepared
2: Yeah, plenty of um, demo units on show. Speeds looked to be good. The streaming looked to be very, very good. The quality looked to be good, as you'd expect at a show. I mean, you're not going to see the worst um, worst side of it, of course. Uh, But the staff were really, really friendly. All of the uh, top PR people and communications people from OnLive were there. um, Happy to talk. We shot some interview footage, which is going to be part of a video that we'll be putting out. um, Hopefully before this Podcast actually goes to um, goes live, but um, yeah, that should be available pretty soon.
1: And what about say the the mood of the show in terms of games? because obviously the games are, are what draw the big crowds. Um, you had uh, Bioware with Star Wars, the Old Republic. they've announced their release date and the the pricing model. How did that seem to go down?
2: Uh, very, very well. Um, it, it was funny, I, I went to grab some footage of, uh, of people coming into the venue and as those doors opened people were sprinting past me to, to get into line and uh, jump jump ahead of uh, the, the masses behind them. Um, Star Wars was good fun, it was one of the, the few games where they actually had only a few um, banks available for people to play at. I would say a maximum of maybe 20 people at one time could could have a go. Um, and they had a, a PvP set up um, down there, it uh, seemed to be going down a storm, everyone was really buzzing after uh, playing that, the queues were massive all day long, um, it looked good, got some good footage of that and hopefully we'll be tapping up um, EA and Bioware to get some in-game footage uh, to make part of our video
1: review coming soon. Brilliant. Um- also had the first EU play of Skyrim. Now, I understand you you didn't manage to get your hands on that, but um, what was your your feeling of of how that went down?
2: From what I saw, um, again, everyone was buzzing. The PR people were giving out T-shirts and um, just generally uh, getting people excited for the game. From what I could see, it had that. Um, oblivion feel the characters, the artwork, the design. It will instantly feel familiar to, to people that fell in love with the game world the first time. Everything you want and more is going to be here for Skyrim. I think you're going to be very, 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 very pleased when it when it comes round in a month or so.
1: And what about say the the lesser um, developers, the indie developers, without perhaps the big PR budgets and the like? I understand you were quite impressed with some of them, and particularly um, charity for you
2: know, disabled gamers? Yeah, well, uh, in regards to the indie gamers we, we had a chat with uh, the developers of Awesome Noughts which is coming to PSN and Xbox Live in the next couple of months um, that should make it into our video review uh, and as you say we, we also caught up with the organizers from uh, a charity called Special Effect um, they've developed a device which allows disabled and paralyzed gamers to play video games by controlling it with their eyes which was totally mind-blowing when I saw it for the first time. The device um, tracks your eye movement uh, at the show they had it set up with Trackmania and you could drive a car round a track just purely by staring at the screen and slightly looking one way or the other to steer the car it's a, a really amazing invention it's such a a joy to see disabled, paralysed gamers, people that would never normally have any hope of of playing a a video game, um, to enjoy it in the same way that we would.
1: I I thought it was really remarkable. Yeah, fantastic to see that kind of thing and especially get get shown off on such a, a notable platform. Yeah, they seem to
2: be getting a, a really big crowd and lots of interest. And the gentleman that runs the uh, the charity and who also invented the device was uh, was good enough to have a chat with us on camera as well. And that will be part of the feature coming up. Such a nice guy. Him and his team um, really really hope they can take their device to the to the next level and bring it to the masses.
1: Yeah. Well, we certainly wish them all the best with that. With regards to the big games, uh, was there any feeling of of say? As you often get at big game shows, that one seems to to steal the show. That one seems to stand out. I know there were a lot of people very much hoping to see, you know, Uncharted three. You know, it, it's a it's a big exclusive, and uh, as well as Ma- Mass Effect three, evolution of the series.
2: Uh, Un- Uncharted three and Mass Effect three um, both had less of a, a presence there than than the other big games, um, you could get hands on with uh, Uncharted and Mass Effect pretty quickly compared to the others. Um, so they hadn't so much gone to town on their presence really compared to the likes of Battlefield, Modern Warfare 3 and, and Batman. We managed to get um, footage of all three of the big setups but no one would let us um, shoot actual gameplay footage um, which we found a little bit surprising considering um, Rage and um, Skyrim are so close to actually being released. Um, but, you know, you have to uh, go with what the PR people tell you, and they were kind enough to let, let us shoot wide shots so we could cover their presence there. Um, they, they went all out to uh, seduce the gamers this year, and I, I think they achieved everything they set out to.
1: Say, if, if you had to very unscientifically say, longest line... Well, where would you say that that one fitted?
2: Um, Modern Warfare 3 and Battlefield were put over in uh, their own section of the show, in a over-18s um, part of the show. So that that felt busy all day long, I would say. There was probably a very big queue for both throughout the day. Battlefield had actual player-v-player um, player v player, um gameplay going on, whereas Modern Warfare 3 only had Special Ops uh, gameplay to be had. Um, huge cues for Batman Arkham City, as there was for Skyrim. I, I would say they, they were all winners this time round. I, w- I wouldn't say any one of them came out on top. Star Wars, there was a great buzz about it, and it was great that it was finally um, nailed down with a release date and a pricing model. Um, on the whole, I think that the winner was the show. They They had such great coverage. Um, and and
1: such great response from from the crowds this year, right? And with regards hardware, I mean I know we've talked about on live, but you have also had the PS Vita there. That seemed to get much of a crowd reaction. Yeah, big big uh, big queues to see the Vita.
2: Um, again, we wanted to have a chat with someone from Sony, but there wasn't ev- anyone available at the time. Um, we got a chance to film film the products up close and um, get people's reactions to it. Um, it's a neat little device, very very powerful. I think everyone's got concerns about the battery life. If you're going somewhere where you can plug in, it's it's obviously going to be the most powerful handheld unit to be had. Um, but if you want to travel around, I'm not sure how long it's going to last out. Uh, but on the whole, you know, it looks a great device. I think one concern people seem to have is that the um, the analog sticks on it kind of protrude out from the device so it's not quite gonna be something you can easily slip in your pocket if they'd maybe um, come up with a system where you could kind of sink it into the device for when you're not playing it um, that would have been better but who knows uh, I'm not sure necessarily whether what we saw at the show is going to be the nailed on finished article because they couldn't be nailed down to a, d- a date when it's going to be released here in Europe
1: no and uh, I suppose the only worry is Sony Don't always get analogue sticks. Absolutely perfect first time around. So um, (laughs) fingers crossed that one gets amended slightly. Thanks, Steve, for um, covering the Eurogamer show for AV Forums, And I hope you don't come down with the flu quite like Ben from it. Made it tougher stuff, mate. Right, we're just going to have a brief look at the games charts just to see what the general gaming scene is doing at the moment. Nice to see Zumba Fitness coming straight back up again. (laughs) Really?
0: Really? Come on now.
3: Ooh.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Deus Ex looks like it's pretty much going to stick there. Um, I think the standard ones that we expected to see in there, Resistance 3 and Gears of War 3, have made the impact that probably everyone
0: expected. Someone needs to knock Zumba off the top, doesn't it really? That's just embarrassing for us, isn't it really?
3: Zumba Fitness. It's not number one anymore. Oh, true. If I
2: uh, if it's um, helping anyone on the on the fence, there's a AV Forms review of Deus Ex, So hopefully that will get people out buying it and push push Zumba off the top top spot. I
0: thought you were going to say there was a review of Zumba Fitness then. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, I'm waiting for one of you guys to do it. I'll, I'll cut it. Just m- maybe you can do it, Leon. <laughs>
0: I'm alright. I think <laughs> I'll do I'll
2: do SingStar,
1: but that's as far as I'll go. I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not coming down with the flu, there, Steve. I'm, I'm just about hanging in there, mate. I think we'll have to wait until Dance Central 2 comes out. Sorry. Oh that was, a, that,
2: that was at the show. That was going down a storm. Got good, good
1: feedback, did it?
2: Well, there was, there was two girls that were obviously paid to dance the whole time everyone else was dancing, and they were incredible. They were amazing at the game. So uh, I definitely got some footage of them. So they'll have to make the cut now because I've spoken about it. But yeah, the game looked great.
3: <laughs> Dressed appropriately as well. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was
2: a show, come on.
1: <laughs> so, on to the two big shooters, the two big exclusives for Microsoft and Sony's consoles, respectively, Gears of War 3 and Resistance 3, the two that have, that everyone's hoping make a big splash in the games charts. Um, Leon, you've been looking at Gears of War 3, and Stee, you've been looking at Resistance 3. Um, very similar reviews in some cases that the the series are... Going out with a big bang, they're making them grand spectacles, but also a few of the same criticisms. Uh, Leon, what were your your views of *Gears of War* three?
0: Yeah, you're definitely right. Um, it kicks off with a big bang straight away from the from the beginning when the credits open and it's fading in over the opening and, and stuff like that. You can tell that this is a big deal for Epic. Uh, that they've put their heart and soul into it, um, which is is a good thing, I suppose. Because I don't know about you guys, but *Gears of War* two didn't exactly grab me. Um, and I think the community kind of thought the same thing as well. Um, but Ge- Gears 3, it, it, I think it brings the series back. Uh, it's what a lot of people have been wanting. Um, you could be cynical and say that they've they just got a tick box. They read lots of forums and, and found the things that people didn't like, and then just ticked them off one by one. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. And it is plays very, very well. Um, The the only criticism that I really state in my review is that that they go too far with the seriousness. Um, I don't want to ruin the game, um, but there are some very evocative things in there, or things which should be evocative, um, but they don't actually end up being so. Um, I like Gears because it's big, it's brash, it's in your face. It it is what it says on the tin, but they seem to want it to be much more than that, and they try and say some things which... I don't think the game can actually aspire to, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, Steve, you took a, a slightly different view with Gears. I know that you're not, say, the biggest fan. Um, what are your thoughts on the way the series has
3: gone and what is it that, that particularly seemed to distance you? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure to be. I mean, it's just I don't, I don't think I kind of grab the whole big chunky men, big swears and, you know, set pieces all the time. I mean, it's I mean you understand what Liam's saying in this one it's supposed to be like, they've kind of gone on a different angle to the game I mean, they've kind of made the player feel some sort of emotions at characters' whereas before you were just killing a lot of aliens and didn't really care um, but I mean the, you can't deny that the mechanics of the game were actually good, the cover was good uh, and all that but it's just that I didn't really get on with you know the, the characters the big beefed up men and it just, to, to me, I know it sounds probably offend a lot of players but it just seemed like another generic shooter to me i don't know why it just didn't seem to stand out that much i guess you could class it as generic um they've
0: beefed out the characters a lot there there are a lot of different characters you've got female gears in there now um coltrane's still still big in there he's one of the 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 my favorite character at least because he's he's the comic relief He, he really is um there's a bit where you They take it very seriously. Where you can, there's a lot of co-op in it, and you can go different paths. You can go right. You can go left. And there's one point in the campaign where you come up to a baseball cap, and it's like, do you want to turn your baseball cap forwards or backwards? Um, And it's and it's just Coltrane is just the comic relief for me, and that's that's where the series is. But then you've got the other side of it, which is where um, Dom comes in. He's the second half of the co-op. That's who you played in the first and the second second game, if you're a player too. Um, in the second game, his wife died. That was when they really sort of switched to trying to make it emotional. You met up with her. She was she was imprisoned in this little capsule and she fell out of the capsule into his arms and then faded away. And it was meant to be this huge emotional moment. And Dom mopes through the entire game of this one and then they, they, they wrap it up. But I, it just doesn't have the emotional gravity that they want it to for me. Um, but like you say, the gameplay, it's Gears. It's third-person coming shooting at its best on the 360 what they've done at this point is it's what's what a lot of sequels tend to do at this point in the genre is we know the gameplay is the same we know that we can't feed you the same thing so hey we've added a new mode here or now it's five player co-op now there's arcade scoring in the campaign now there's an extra mode that's horde mode you know that there's so much stuff that you kind of say well okay so it is the same but look at all this extra stuff you're giving me it's still worth the 49.99 that i'm paying
1: yeah i mean it it's a Certainly, a, a grand spectacle, and I, I suppose my problem with it comes from what you were saying about them trying to to make it emotive. I mean, we we've seen the genre kind of move more into cinematic realms. You know, there, there's there always has to be something big, some necessary reason for you to take down, you know, some kind of enemy, and it it always has to boil down something personal because the standard, you know, aliens invading. Just doesn't seem to have enough kick to it anymore. It's it it's been done, you know, over the last twenty years so many times. But I, I suppose um, it's interesting what you say about them, perhaps slightly missing uh, the point in some ways by putting in this this emotional level because it never actually really takes hold. But in the way that when the series came out. You can see the kind of comic book style visuals you know with the big beefy characters and everything, and it worked almost almost like a kind of tongue in cheek version of a shooter to give to fans you know you've got the enemies there, you've got the gore you've got you know as soon as you put anything vaguely equating to a chainsaw on a weapon, you're gonna get a lot of fans pleased with that yeah so so um you know when they move into this kind of Emotional kind of phase. Do you think that's something that was, that was simply put there because, you know, it's it's the big one, you know, you're going out with a bang so you almost, you want people to get this emotional attachment but perhaps the reason why it doesn't take hold is because that hadn't really been sewn through the first and the second games as much.
0: So it's it's almost like it's new here. Quite possibly. I won't call it new because they did fold it in in the second one but it's almost like Gears 1, I'm sure they expected it to be big because it's epic and they do shooters and it was a 360 and and it's their home and they're a big developer on that platform, but I'm, I don't get the feeling. I didn't think of Gears One as a, a massive cinematic story, which I really cared about Marcus Phoenix and all of his friends in in the world. And I didn't. I wasn't playing it for the story. I was playing it for what Epic do well, which is good shooters and blowing people's heads off with sniper rifles and stuff like that, <laughs> and sawing them in half with a chainsaw. That's what I'm I'm there in the series for. But when your game comes out and you do that, and then you sell I don't know. I'm guessing 10 million copies or whatever whatever the game sold, and it blow up. They seem to get I don't want to say ideas above their station but they seem to want to aspire to something a lot greater and yeah you're right that that wasn't baked into it from the beginning so with two they kind of tried to transition into it and with three they really try and bank on it um, I, I'm trying so hard not to spoil it but the, the part the specific part everybody's played will know what I mean but they lay um, a specific track over the top of it um, and, and it's almost like telling you to be sad it's like some stuff's happening on the screen and okay, yeah, it's 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 emotional, things are happening, but the music over the top is trying to hit you over the head with it so hard that it just you roll your eyes into the back of your head and you're like, can I press A on this and, and and go to the next guy I'm chainsawing in half.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean the, the adverts, you know, that they've been running do kind of hint at that kind of they want people to see it as this this um big kind of emotional punch to it and the like. But perhaps, you know, perhaps they they kind of expect that reaction from gamers not to kind of buy into it. Because, I mean, so far it has been fairly, you know, um, stylized, you know, and and not in a a straightforward, overly serious way. You know, there's always kind of this sense that you know that you're playing something that someone's designed for a specific crowd. You know, it's a crowd pleasing game.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's what are you trying to do with your game? I mean, I could compare it to, I played L.A. Noire recently, and that's much more of a serious game. It's serious from the get-go. And by the end stuff happens people die and I'm not saying it touched me but it was it had more weight than Gears of War did because that's what it was trying to do from the beginning and that was their aim for the beginning. Gears of War it, it sits in both it sits in both camps it's, it's quite similar to Bulletstorm which I reviewed before as well but Bulletstorm was a much more kind of extreme version of it they had like ridiculous profanity and leashing people into the air and all sorts of, of stupid stuff in there and then at the end they tried to tried to give it emotional weight, and that that was even more. This is the same, but on a slightly less reduced scale, but it it still falls just as flat in places. At the same time, I'm harping on that, that I don't like that, but the, the campaign isn't really the forte of this particular game. The Horde and the multiplayer are where The series has improved much more over the last few years. Gears of War 2, the multiplayer wasn't so great, but that was totally saved by Horde. The wave-based gameplay is just brilliant. Um, And this year, they've really amped it up. They've added it so you can fortify positions. Um, You can play it with five people now. there's up to 50 waves, you get a boss wave every 10 waves. And it, it really is co-op gaming at its best. And you can see that from the forums because the, the Horde thread is just going wild because people are loving it. And multiplayer, it's good, um, but, but Horde really is where it's at. So is the campaign, I don't want to say it falls flat, but it's another one of those training ground type scenarios. You play through it to simply get the feel of the game and, and just do it. And then it's Horde and multiplayer that you're going to be coming back for.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting the point, though, that you make about um, the multiplayer being really where it's at. Because when you, you know, advertising materials and the like, still for games, tend to push the single player and the cinematic aspect of it. And and you kind of get the feeling that Epic felt that they had to do something with the, the single player in terms of story and the like, because there wasn't really much that needed changing there. So, you know, the, the mechanics were always tight anyway. It was always satisfying no matter how many, you know, of the same type of enemy you're shooting. It, they got the, the basics of it. They got the, the essential elements spot on to start with. And so therefore, like with 2, the kind of change of environments, really it's just the little shifts that they make when trying to put it through a story um, that actually people criticize with the series.
0: Yeah, they, they. I don't want to say they need to make up their mind, but like, like I say in the review, they've got iced tea in the game. I mean, seriously, <laughs> not, not not that he's not not that he's not credible, but he's he plays iced tea. You you get to him and you're like, oh, well, that's Ice tea and I loved it. Don't get me wrong, I loved it, but they need to just own it. Don't try and everyone is so hung up about games being art, and I'm with that. I'm I'm totally down for that. I want games that are recognized as much as movies and games that move people like movies do and for them to be respected in in the same way. But at the same time, I don't need every game to try and do it. And Gears of War is a game that doesn't need to try and do it. It needs to own the fact that it has Cole saying ridiculous things all the way through the campaign. It has iced tea being iced tea in there and big beefy guys chainsawing people in half. Own that and, and do that in its in its entirety and I'll be completely happy. I, I don't need you to try and make me cry. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand why games need to do that. I'm not emotionless. I just I just, I just, want to chainsaw people. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is very good. I, I want my final word to be that it's very good. I mean, I was playing Horde before we came on here. I'll be playing Horde when I go off. It's, it's a huge amount of fun. Um, just don't get hung up on the campaign. I don't, I don't know why the campaign is... I guess multiplayer is hard to sell in an advert. An advert needs to be maybe campaign to to put people to latch on to perhaps yeah yeah fair point
1: and so i suppose that's a good time to move on to a big competitor at least i suppose sony hope it will be resistance 3 coming from insomniac games um big exclusive um various games down the years have had the, the title halo killer attached to them um doesn't usually end up happening, but um, Steve, you were you were quite impressed with this latest instalment.
3: I really really enjoyed playing it. I won't necessarily say it's a Halo killer. Cause I won't say the Resistance universe expands quite as far as a Halo one does with the no- comics and the novels and the figures and stuff. But in terms of what's there in the game, like the story and the people around you, especially in the third one, which I think is the by far the best one in terms of campaign for the series, it is really really good. Um. They seem to have scoped down on what they want to do, I mean, if Resistance 2 was this good, I'd love to have thought what Resistance 3 could be now, because this has been such like a step up from what has come out before, I think that if they'd have done it again, it could, I've, I've, I mean, I said in the review, it's similar to Killzone 3. In some places it is, but then it's kind of like there's one area that's really nice and then in another area you think well they've kind of like just put in some certain areas that look really nice and then just kind of dabbled a bit and then thought oh we need to put another nice area and put another one in so if they'd have done that throughout, I think this could have been a much better game, but what it is is really really good I mean I won't say too much but you the game builds up to like a big dramatic ending but then it it in. I won't say more than that but a lot of the feedback online and on the forums to be that the ending kind of is built up, then it just kind of happens and you're like, right, I thought there were going to be a bit more than that. But other than that, I mean, especially like, in terms of multiplayer as well, I mean, I'm kind of the opposite to Leon. I pre- much prefer the, the campaign to the multiplayer because, I mean, in Resistance 2, they had massive multiplayer mode. I mean they had like, they wanted 60 people online I think, so they were trying to get to like, bigger scale they got above the stations if you like, and now they've gone back to like 16 aside. but they've implemented such a learning curve on it that the people who have been playing it since release date now, have the top weapons and like the top uh, perks if you like, so you can like turn invisible and like get, like turn into like a big enemy, like a big... Uh, a big like berserker sort of enemy and then you, you're just left with like your standard bullseye your pistol and there's no more to kind of like ease you into it you just chucked in with the more experienced players and it kind of says well you'll have to play for hours and hours and hours until you get like to a similar sort of standard as them and that that ruins it for me because in like call of duty you do get it but at first if you like levels one to ten you play similar players so if they'd have done that, then it had have been much more appealing, but a lot of players will just turn it on, get killed a few times, and then just switch it off and go back to the campaign, which, in fairness, they're probably rightly doing so because the campaign plays out really, really well. So, so I mean, what is it specifically
1: that they've they've kind of tweaked from Resistance 2? I mean, I know you say in your um, review about the weaponry, and there's been some um, little talk online that they've, they focus on that kind of side of things to try and give you, you know, a nice little play box of things to dispatch the enemy hordes with. Um, is is that something that you feel is key to it, or or have they kind of ramped up things like the environments and the like to go alongside the kind of cinematic scale of it?
3: Both in in some ways, I think, because there are a lot more like varied environments. Because the game does take quite a like a non like familiar turn. I mean, I won't say what it does, but you like. You go through like you kind of expect where it's going. because it goes to one area, then to another, area, then to then then it gets to the next area, and you're thinking, ah, oh, I didn't expect that, and it kind of surprises you. But hand in hand with that is the weaponry, which there are some old weapons which is likely to come over from other games, like all the do. But then there's new weapons, and you can also there's three levels to each one now, which evolve over time as you use them and get killed with them. So they get more powerful, like the shotgun, it like gets it has a chance to set enemies on fire, and then the um, the carbine, that gets um, a bayonet so you can stab them, and then the wildfire fires more rockets, so it's it's like, I don't know, they just kind of put more focus on the overall experience, rather than just giving you weapons to play with, like giving you weapons to play with, and then evolve them, and then evolve them again. So you can play through it once, and not evolve your weapons, but then you can play through it again, and then your weapons evolve, and then it, changes like the ways you can kill people all over again so it kind of keeps things fresh if you know what i mean so it sounds like you're, you're impressed by it in
1: comparison to the way the series has gone beforehand um you mentioned though in your review about uh repetition in in terms of block paths and and finding you know you had to force doorways and the like and that it, it kind of pushes you down familiar uh, familiar avenues and the like um do you think that that makes it somewhat linear. Do you think it's kind of um, you know scripted and and holding your hand to a certain extent? I mean, is there any great scope that they've placed within this game now for you to to tackle objectives in in your own way, to kind of um, you know outflank enemies from more more adventurous positions and the like?
3: There's there are like the the maps and the levels are quite broad and allow you to the there's more sort of tactical elements this time. There's more like cover for you to hide behind and there's like in certain places, you could go up a high cliff or you could go, like, underneath the cliff and, you know, you could attack people from above or you can attack them from below. But in terms of, like, following the path to complete the mission, there is only one way. And like I said, Drew, sometimes there's just one door that you can go through and the one door you keep seeing in every level. And I know it's a very, very picky thing to say, but you would have thought they could design a new door for each level rather than having <laughs> the same door over <laughs> and over and over again. Yeah, well... You know i I suppose from a
1: from a certain point of view you know they've they've released three games in in you know fairly quick time you know there are some studios that's that spend uh, many many years on the game so they've perhaps they've cut a few corners but you still sounded pretty impressed with the the graphics overall despite you know a few repetitions
3: yeah, yeah there's it's like I say they're only minor faults but there's nothing to detract from the overall series you know the overall experience it's it's a lot better than it and it has the series has been, and it's a it's a good it's a good title to end with. But it's also a shame to think that Insomniac might not develop these games anymore, because there there is potential there for them to really push the PS3 to its limit, like Kill like 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 Killzone does. Yeah, perhaps just peaking
1: a little bit too late, but yeah. still sounds like you're both standing by your your own picks and and perhaps not being swayed by the other's arguments. So it. Maybe both are worth picking up for those um, capable of playing every game on every platform, or do you think it might be a little bit too much overload, one or the other, for
0: uh, your FPS in October? Maybe. I mean, I haven't played Resistance, but it's for a good reason. Resistance—it just seems so boring to me. It just seems Ooh. like the worst type, <laughs> the worst type of generic. We're, we're staring at each other from either sides of the platforms sure. here, just staring each other down. But yeah, it's just. The, the, the only reason I've, I've never really been interested in Resistance is just that it seems like the worst type of generic. People used to say that it would be a Halo beta, but for me, it didn't have half the personality of Halo. It really didn't. Um, the, the only thing, I guess, is the Gears 3 and uh, Resistance 3, they do seem quite similar from what you're saying, that 2 was a massive misstep not a massive misstep but was, it wasn't the best it was the dark era for both of the series um, perhaps the developers stepped out a little bit tried some stuff uh, which didn't particularly work out and then in 3 they refined um, in both cases kind of went back to the first game looked at what really worked and where it really came from and then made 3 as good as it could have been um, but, but talking about Resistance specifically it seems like the worst type of generic for me I'm afraid
1: Don't hold back
0: I won't <laughs> but but uh, you could say that the same the same for gears i suppose but it's just i guess i'm just more easily pleased with that big beef it's got it's got far more personality easily there's no way you can't say gears hasn't got more person, personality than resistance can you put a hat on backwards in resistance for example
3: why would you want to put a hat on backwards
0: i'm i'm just saying you, you can i can put it on forwards i can put it on backwards um i i can get a boom it, shot is which that five one is just... the best part of the game to you it's it's uh, not <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I, I was I was very happy with that. Um, but you know, there, there are a million different things in gears. There's there's developers had a lot of fun with it at the same time, which is what I was saying that there's a big disparity between being so serious and being not so serious. Um, there's a million and one Easter eggs in there. Like you can fire chickens out of guns, and they make a large joke about one of the characters, Carmine, dying or not. Um, but I just I just get the feeling that Resistance. It's it's very oppressive, isn't it? Um, the third entry in the series is like you know, mankind has lost the war we're all nearly dead um it's all futile uh, you know i i'm just i'm not into that right well i think that's a, that's a good enough
1: point to jump into our little discussion about the state of the shooter stroke fps genre in general several of the same criticisms seem to be popping up in games these days it, it seems to be um you know they're reliant on the big cutscenes and set pieces to drive things on, and then you you have a kind of linear level to to work your way through. And um, we're seeing this, the same basic narratives pop up. You've got you know either aliens are taking over the world, or there's a basic battle between the U.S. and the rest of the world. Um, what are people's thoughts? Is the is the genre going stale, or or has it just uh, Stayed in the same tracks because it's giving the fans ultimately what they want shooting things.
0: I'm not sure whether it's gone stale. Um, I think there's a lot of playing it safe. Um, Call, Call of Duty and stuff like that is such a big, big market now that if you deviate from it, then it, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. I mean, the games have come out and tried to do different stuff like like bullet storm that i mentioned um that are good um they have they have their merits but ultimately they're not going to challenge call of duty and and that's the real big question are there developers out there who've got good ideas and, and big ideas which could potentially take down call of duty but they're not implementing them because it's just such a juggernaut and putting the resources in would be counterproductive and you may as well just not even try and take them on at their own game
2: I think there's also a uh, an element of, you know, the type of gamers that play uh, Call of Duty games, and, you know, they they probably just want something which is pick up and play, and that fits the bill for them. You know, to me, some of the most memorable games I've had in first-person shooters, multiplayer, is where you almost sort of start to identify with, with certain maps. Uh, when you've had um, big epic games and you, know, you can remember, uh, but you know, fighting to gain territory and uh, earn certain points, and so you you feel almost like you've been to these places. And when you replay the maps later on, they have a fam- familiarity, and I think that's what games like COD and Battlefield seem to do very well. They've got that familiarity that people start to enjoy and identify with. And games like Homefront show where they've failed to deliver that, where it's a bit janky and just not, not quite right. And they've got the formula right on the, uh, on the franchises that are up there, and it's going to be hard to break that without some major innovation. And um, Leon's absolutely spot on. Unless someone's brave enough to do that, um, we're going to be stuck with a, the same shooters
0: year in, year out. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's It seems to be that they're relying on like emergent gameplay now. Like you say, it's maps. It's, it's what happens in the maps. It's talking around the, the theoretical water cooler the next day on the forums and saying, oh, do you remember when I threw that grenade and killed four people, or we did this, or we did that? That's where the shooters are now that's what people go to them for but developers still seem intent on throwing us single player campaigns which like I say try and make us cry Um, try and do all these wonderful big things and act like they're films when when they're not not that they can't do that but they just that's not what people are going to them for so I I guess Call of Duty I I thought they might go straight to subscription and not even bother with a campaign to be honest I mean why why really put the money into it when all everyone's playing that thing for is a multiplayer anyway
2: because they I suppose they run the risk of losing losing their audience completely if they get it wrong and that's that's such a big gamble to take.
0: Are they going to get it wrong at this point though? Because it's it's so staple. They're never going to change it dramatically anyway, aren't they? It's always going to be Call of Duty plays like Call of Duty because if they didn't then people would run away. Well, I think the stage, the stage
2: is certainly set now for Respawn to come in and shake up a genre which they originally shook up in the first place. Mm. They have the motivation there for the way it sort of ended at Activision. Um... You know they probably want to prove a point, and hopefully, hopefully, they'll be the guys that that bring the shape up that we uh, shake up that we all crave.
0: Hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed. <laughs> but I mean, shooters, shooters as a whole. What I was I was talking about this with one of my friends the other day. I think in general, shooters what I like now is shooters crossed with something else. The purebred shooter has got boring, and it has been boring for a while. I still love it, but what I do to keep myself interested now is I play the Fallout's, the RPG slash shooters, the the Mirror's Edges, the ones that are all first person and not really a shooter, but has shooting elements in it. Um, that that's where I go now to sort of keep myself into it. Well, I think that I think that can be achieved
2: in a first person shooter. They just need to they need to bring the scale of something not specifically like world of warcraft but the idea that you are going in and you're progressing in something day in day out so maybe where you sign up for an online shooter you're you're becoming like a company in a unit and you'll play with those same guys every every night and you can track your progress as a group and earn territory and gain territory lose territory i think that that might be a way which that 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 would take it to the next level but it's how you do that and it's how you keep people interested because it's got to work on on both levels it's got to got to suit the pick up and play crowd and it's got to suit the the crowd like yourself that are looking for that little bit
0: extra now but where's the single player in that again the, the single player just isn't there who cares about single player at this point i do don't get me wrong i love single player shooters but the the general public doesn't
2: yeah, I, I, th- I, th- I think that maybe we are at a point where, you know, someone can bring out a game which is obviously a football game or someone brings out a game which is obviously a cricket game. You know what you're getting into when you buy that. And I think if someone's brave enough, you can bring out just a multiplayer only game and people will buy it they, because they want that type of experience. It's just whether the distributors and developers would allow someone to release such a niche product.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting what you say about, um, you know, how how forums are populated with people talking about the multiplayer nowadays. It's it's almost in the shooter genre. It's almost replaced the single player. So the question is, why is why is the single player there? I mean, we know that it's it's obviously going to sell, but it's also something that that will require massive amounts of funding to just get through to make those big kind of you know. FMV cutscenes and the like, and to get all the voice actors and, and that kind of thing. When really, for most people, if you clock up the amount of hours spent on, you know, Call of Duty, something like that, the majority is going to be online. And we've, we've seen people try to evolve that by sometimes looking at just getting more bodies on there. I mean, when you think of things like kind of Mag, and, and um, Steve was mentioning about Resistance 2, about getting, you know, 64 player multiplayer. Do you think there's actually, say, a number, a specific cutoff point whereby those maps and and what you were saying, Steve, about a a map being kind of somewhere you you feel you've actually been? Somewhere tangible, yeah. Yeah, where you've got almost too many, too much there, and so they, they in fact, have to almost slightly scale it back. Is there a cutoff point where you can say, well, that's going to become almost an impersonal multiplayer experience, and that's why you haven't seen as many in recent years Trumping this big plan of you know having a hundred people on a map or something like that. Uh,
2: it's it's yet to be executed well. We've had twenty plus players in Resistance Two when that came out. That that was well hyped and you, you jumped in and it was just chaos. It did, it wasn't executed well. Battlefield um, Three is out in a, a few weeks and we'll see whether the sixty four player maps can work on on that. I think. What's interesting is when I was at Eurogamer, which we'll we'll speak in more detail about, um, they had Modern Warfare 3 on show there, loads of banks and everyone was getting to play it and they only had the special ops mode uh, available to play and a few kids in the queue were, were moaning and complaining. I said, guys, this is one of the best parts of Modern Warfare 2 and they they were poo-pooing it roundly. And um, I thought it was a real mis-trick because I thought that mode was great and if, if maybe this time round they could have um, made that a competitive uh, game type where one side is um, one set of players and one side is another set of real players and you're competing against these different objectives. I mean you have that to a certain extent with the different game types but they're I think there's a missed trick where you could open that up so you've got, you know, 10, 20 different game types and all this variety in there. And that's how you have these epic battles where people are going for these different interesting objectives and you'll get to the lobby afterwards and you're like, no, I want to take these guys on again. And you get the repetition and that's that's how you build that familiarity. Um, Just straight up deathmatch, straight up free for all is... it's just boring now, it's, it's a tried and tested formula but someone needs to break the mould.
0: It is boring and I agree with you but part of me also thinks that I think it's boring because I've been playing shooters for a long time now and I've played a lot of deathmatch. Um, Call of Duty and, and the, the genre has blown up so much that surely all of these kids that are online haven't played it that much so to them Call of Duty is deathmatch, it is yeah. jump in and shoot people in the face. Um, to me, I've been doing that for years and years and years. So I like my, my stuff, which is different. I like my shooters crossed with RPGs. I like having to work with friends and, and that sort of stuff. So I think that's the schism. And that's why, similarly, with, with games like Black Ops, they pack so much into Black Ops. It's like they were just firing a shotgun at a really broad spectrum of the market. So the casual gamers could just play their deathmatch. Old school gamers could go ahead and play zombies and stuff like that. Um, you know, they, they were trying to cover everybody because the market is so broad right now, a single game cannot just encapsulate and and, and rule the, the whole thing it has to be different parts of the market are interested in different things but the main one unfortunately is standard deathmatch, which us old guard are, are so bored with at this point
1: i mean it, it sounds very much like what you're saying there leon about going over to you know different types of games crossed with the fps like you fallout threes and the like that there's almost like um a split in the market where people if you want narrative then you're going straight for a narrative specific game or if you want you know fps shooters then you're going yeah. straight towards the the multiplayer it, it's almost like um you know there's is there any real place left for a decent narrative in a straightforward fps that's going to be focusing in any way on multiplayer i mean what you know it, off the top of your head could you really remember of the last few Call of Duty games, you know, several, you know, NPCs or, or that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, you're right. It's not it's not narrative anymore. It's it's atmosphere and it's it's vibe and it's experience. It's it needs to be in the loosest possible sense. You know, you are this type of crack operative and you've gotta to get to this point and save this person or that in the loosest possible sense but if you if you can create the atmosphere if you can light it correctly and pace it correctly then you'll seduce the gamer you're right the narrative has totally fallen by the wayside but the graphics and sound are good enough these days where you can kind of pull the wool over people's eyes and so you know shock and awe them into enjoying a game when when really there isn't that much thought that's gone into it um, yeah, the,
0: the only sort of glimmer of hope, I guess, is um, Bioshock Infinite. It looks, it looks very good. I mean, the first one, um, pe- a lot of people criticise that for not being a very good actual shooter. Its mechanics weren't very good. But the, the story is certainly what, what everybody gravitated to. And that's one of the narratives, or one of the only narratives recently, which has actually had a real effect on me. Um, so Infinite is definitely one of my top titles that I'm looking for. And hopefully that will spur people into actually going down that path a bit more.
1: Yep, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And so I figure that's as good a place as any to leave this discussion. We're never going to come to an all-round conclusion that will solve all the all the problems of the shooter genre. Otherwise, we'd all be games developers. But um hopefully they can they can marry up a good multiplayer game with a decent single player experience. Okay, well, we end things as we did last month with a quick look at what we're all basically dying to play in the next month. I'm going to go for Skyrim, um, simply because I lost far, far too much time, uh, more time than was healthy to Oblivion, and so I'm looking forward to getting lost in another world.
0: Yourself, Leon? Um, Similarly, another game, like we were saying about the shooters, um, Rage is definitely one that I'm looking forward to because it's kind of a nice mixing of two people it's got Bethesda who did Fallout which I absolutely adore and then it's got ID um, who who are known for their first person shooters and Rage is kind of them coming together and putting them both together so hopefully that should be good first person shooting with decent story
3: um, I agree with you on Skyrim but I'll have to say Batman Arkham City based on how good Arkham Asylum was the, the same people are going to be working on it so surely it's got to be as good if not better than it was before and it's open world this time-ish so hopefully it's a nice bit of exploring as well.
2: Uh, yeah, hard to see past Battlefield 3 for me. Um, only a few more weeks to wait now, and then it'll be upon us. Um, should give the PC a chance to stretch its legs as well, so looking forward to that.
1: That all sounds good. So all, all that's left is for me to thank you all for participating. Cheers, Leon, Steve, and Steve. Thanks, guys. My pleasure.
3: Thank you.
0: Anytime.
1: And to say thank you for listening to AV Forums Gaming Podcast with me, Mark Botright, and we will see you all again next month.
3: The AV
0: Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional
3: use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.